Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to the segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is the hard ROI of customer experience. And I, I have with me Sharif Mitias, who is Chief Experience Officer at TGI Fridays. Hey, Sharif, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, great. An honor to have you on our show here. And we were talking just before we got started about a great customer experience we have had quite a few years ago, and I keep going to your, uh, you know, different chain restaurants that are there all across the country. When we talk about customer experience, I'm sure that's what kept your organization going and growing and be successful. And we are all in different organizations working on it, focusing on it, and investing in it. The things which we have to look at is, is customer service or customer experience totally should be looked at from an ROI standpoint and that to only the hard ROI, or we are looking at it as a good investment, but it's going to give us something which is some attaboys from the customers or from other people who get to know about us. What is customer experience development buying us? And if we had to really get to measure the hard ROI, what will help us increase that ROI? So that said, Sharif, when you look at this whole concept of customer experience, that can be created by us saying something or not saying something, doing something or not doing something. What do you think is a mix, an ideal mix, which will allow the customer experience you provide to keep going up? Yeah, I, I think, that, you know, customer experience gets uh, used a lot, that term, right? And at, at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, putting all the pieces together for a guest, right? Uh, you know, from a consumer perspective, it's not just about the price. It's not just about the product. It's not just about the service. Um, each one of those might be a trigger, I might want to come into a location, into a restaurant, into a store because I saw a hot price, because I like a particular salesperson or server. But at the end of the day, true loyalty only comes from having all those pieces working really in lockstep with each other, right? That the experience that a consumer has uh, and that the loyalty that it then engenders you know, the, the, the statistics on this are, are through the roof, right? If, if someone comes into a restaurant the first time and they have a great experience, so the food, the service, the ambiance, the value, everything is working together, I have a 40% chance, not, not that big, a 40% chance of bringing that guest back in. If they come back in the second time and they have an equally great experience, all the pieces working together, I have another 40% chance of winning that guest. But on the third visit, if I can equally create a great experience, that number now jumps to 80%. I have now created a loyal guest. And there is no harder ROI to measure than loyalty from a guest perspective coming through increased sales, increased frequency, increased engagement. So the result 
is what you look at to measure. So if the person may not may or may not leave a feedback form for you, but if the person returns, you're looking at that as a clear measure of you did something right in the previous visit, right? Absolutely, especially, especially in our industry, right? I mean, there's if you drew a five-mile circus, a circle around every Friday's, there's 200 places that a guest can have another food or beverage, 200. So how, how, am I, how am I creating the right experience for a guest to disregard 200 other places and come to me and come to me frequently? That's a great measure. Regardless of what everyone says, you know, what they, they talk about, what, you know, it's, it's really footsteps. Am I creating more footsteps? Am I creating loyal footsteps back to my locations? That comes from providing a great guest experience consistently. It can't be one-off. It has to be a consistent type of experience. So it is almost uh, a magic that you pull if you're able to do it, given the constraints and the, the variables that you're dealing with. So without divulging your secret sauce... Are there some core fundamentals that you depend on and in order to make those fundamentals to uh, be operationalized and stay consistent, do you in some form or fashion leverage technology? Uh, the, the only way to leverage, <laughs> the only way to pull this off is leveraging technology, right? I mean, if you have, if you have one restaurant or you have one store and you're the sole proprietor you can manage everything, right? You're always behind the desk. You're always at the front door. You're always helping that guest. It's personal service. You can manage that. You don't need loads of technology or capabilities. But when you have 900 locations and you serve over half a million people every single day, you have to be able to leverage technology to provide that consistency at scale, Right, to be able to put in the right processes, to be able to put the right training in for your, for your team, to be able to understand who's coming through your door and what they want and don't want. Right? We utilize AI technology to really understand with all the data that we collect, not just who is a millennial coming through our door versus a baby boomer or a soccer mom in Atlanta. We understand John versus Mary. And when you get to that level of specificity and that level of personalization, you're creating that single store opportunity. You're creating the mindset in the organization that every guest that walks through our door is important and is different and requires a unique experience. But you enable that by understanding who they are through the use of technology. And... When you when you do do that using AI, you got to profile them somehow. And while people have gotten used to using some services for free, and they don't mind divulging their whereabouts and what they consume, etc. At the same time, they are also there are quite a few people who also find it creepy if you cross a, a certain line, that virtual line, which we don't know what that is in many cases. Right. So when you're creating this or you're collecting this data and you're churning it out, but just at the very source, you got to be cautious that you don't cross that privacy or, or that uh, alienation line, if you will. What of is, course. What, what is, what is it be, what are you doing 
to be proactively aware of what the sentiment that prevails for a given customer group or for that matter, an individual customer. Yeah, so for us, we're, we find the more upfront you are with consumers, uh, the, the more they're actually willing to give you permission uh, to give them, give them so, you know, give you their data, to, to have you use their data. And so we don't, we don't come up and say, I'm going to collect your data and, and use it, you know, in these nefarious ways. We come up and say, you know what, if you give us this, I'm going to make life easier for you somehow. I, I'm going to make it more convenient for you when you want to place an order, when you want to make a reservation, when you walk into our restaurant, wouldn't you like to have your favorite drink waiting for you? Right? Would that make you feel special, like a VIP? Uh, would you like to try our latest dishes? Because I know you like ribs, and I have a great new rib dish, so I'm going to give you a sneak peek at it. Would you like that type of, again, personalized engagement? If you do, and some guests say, no, thank you, and we respect that, but some guests said, guests say, yes, absolutely. And we collect that information, then we, they see that we use it to make life better for them, make it more either convenient or special or personalized. And so I think the more upfront you are and really telling guests, not only just that I want to collect your data, but why I'm going to use it to make something better for you, we found guests are much more really um, engaged and much more willing to share that information and have us really be part of personalizing their experience. So one is to use technology, then customizing a product or giving them a privileged access or a sneak peek, like you mentioned. Another is to having a person reach the restaurant because you intrigued them and had a pull factor. They sit down and they are handled by a server who has had a bad day and yes. or has personality issues. And that's the last mile or in fact, in the last 10 feet, if you will. Right. What do you do to control it or rather going beyond the word control, rather empower that server to even, you know, compensate for any shortcoming you might have had in your technology or in your other product strategy, if you will, because those humans are the ones who are going to create the experience for you. Yeah, there's, there's no question. At the, at the end of the day, no matter how much technology you can put in, uh, we will always be a people-first social brand, right? We, we will never have kiosks uh, taking our guests' orders. Uh, that interaction with the team member, with the hostess, with the bartender is critical for us. Uh, but to that same vein, you know, how we use technology uh, is still important, right? And so I'll give you an example. You know, we have the ability to look at the performance of our servers, and we look at, you know, how they perform with real guest metrics, with, you know, tip percentages, with a number of data elements that allows us to see really who are our best servers, right? And so from a scheduling perspective, we can actually schedule our best servers uh, during those time frames where we're, we have a lot of traffic, right? Friday and Saturday nights, right? We want our best servers out there providing that great Friday's experience. And so we're able to Again, leverage technology. But even from an interaction perspective, we've got a new, uh, we're piloting a new AI-driven virtual mixologist. So this is a tool that allows the guests sitting at our bar to create a one-of-a-kind drink, 
just for them, just that night, just at a Friday's bar. And that interaction that occurs between the technology and the guest and the bartender, because the bartender is still making the drink. The AI is helping create the recipe based on the tastes and profile of the guest. But it's that combination of guest, bartender, and technology that's creating an entirely new experience. It's leveraging and making our bartenders actually better. They're making one-of-a-kind innovative drinks. They love it. They love getting the second drink from the guest because the guest is enamored with the new tool, and everyone sees the benefit of that technology from an experiential perspective. That's really utilizing technology not to replace, but to enhance, to your point, that human interaction that needs to occur in our establishments. So hospitality and the restaurant business is not for the faintest of the hearts. Margins can be very thin. And you, on one hand, have to pull people in by giving them good deals, which also has an impact on your bottom line. And then you have to keep innovating in your menu, in your other offerings, so that the person stays, or in fact, for that matter, not only stays, but tells three or four other people. So is your customer experience primarily to generate revenue or a word of mouth so that it makes these customers to become your evangelist, which in turn offsets your otherwise you know, expenses in, in marketing, if you will. To, because a, a satisfied and a, a vowed customer could be your best evangelist. So is no your customer, question. yeah, so the customer experience that you work on, the strategies and the way you create it, are you actively or strategically working towards that versus put more technology, create those smaller moments of wow, but which, which, which you can do only so much innovation, right? So they will not be as sustainable. Right. right. Yeah. And so we, we've taken really a, a dual path approach on that, right? So we clearly believe, you know, going to the root and personalizing the guest experience drives loyalty which not only drives their loyalty, but to your point, everyone tells their friends, right? Someone just had a great experience at Friday. They just made their own one-of-a-kind drink. They are telling people about that. They're posting that drink on social media. They're talking about it. It's, it's clearly part of our marketing effort to create these, you know, evangelists, right? To create people that had a great experience and talk about it. And we, and we will continue to use technology to find ways to do that like the AI-driven bartender. There's no question those have a place. But similarly, we have to, at scale, do a better job, to your point, of managing the overall profitability of the restaurant, right? And so there's ways, again, to do that from a guest and a, and a, and a four-wall efficiency perspective. So from a guest perspective, I'll give you an example. Again, it's understanding the specific guest. So if I know a guest orders on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, and they order online because they don't have time to come in the restaurant, they're picking up food for their family, it's soccer night, and they have to get home. If I know that, and I know what they like, I know they have two kids based on their past purchasing behavior, I know the time of day, I know how they interact with me, if I send them a message, an in-app message, a half an hour before, I know they should be ordering. And I fill their basket with exactly what I believe, what the AI tool is telling me, that individual should want for him and his family. I, and, and I don't even put a discount in. 
I don't have to discount anything. I'm just timely with the right content, with the right message at the right time. I get people to click yes. I get people to put their thumb down and order from me by just reminding them and making it easy. So that's one way, right, that I can use technology to create an extra visit during the week without a discount, but I, because I know who these people are and I'm targeting them in the right and personalized fashion. Now, contrast that with I'm also managing my profitability inside my restaurant through the use of technology. So I have also an AI tool that sits like an angel on my general manager's shoulder. So imagine a tool that understands and learns the most efficient way to run a specific location. It understands the traffic patterns. It understands the menu items and the mix that gets sold in that location. It understands buying. It understands scheduling. It understands waste. And it creates basically the right decisions at the right time for the general manager. So I don't want that general manager sitting behind his office computer for for four hours a day going through spreadsheets. I want them walking the floor. I want them with their team members coaching them. I want them talking to guests. And when they have to make a critical decision, their phone alerts them and says, you need to buy this now or you need to schedule this person for next week. It's creating decisions in real time so that my manager can be out on the floor not only creating great guest experiences again, but running the most efficient restaurant from a profitability perspective. Again, marrying the two pieces together of creating a great experience with managing the profitability behind the scenes. If you were to look at the the different ideas that you mentioned, and frankly, this is very fascinating. This is like a Star Trek version of a restaurant management, right? What you just mentioned. So all of these have to be implemented that training has to be done and the mindset of the people who are going to adopt it, including manager or the server, all of them have to be brought on board. So let's talk about the execution challenge of adopting whether AI or process improvement and do it with people who may not always be that savvy or as amenable to this drastic shift in the way you may want to run a restaurant or to serve a customer or use technology because they somehow have a chip on their shoulder that, hey, I have been a server for 20 years. Who are you to tell me? Or I have managed a restaurant for so many years. Who are you to tell me what to do better? I'm talking people issues. What yeah, is no your question. approach to that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things that... Um, is critical to any implementation, right? Again, technology doesn't exist or live or function by itself. And, you know, for us, it was really, again, kind of going back to um, showing the value at each step in the journey. And, that, and that's really what this was, was a journey, right? We didn't flip a light switch and have all these cool new tools uh, for our guests in our, in our restaurants. It was, let's create a use case. Let's focus on a specific improvement area and let's figure out what we're going to measure. Let's figure out a pilot set of groups or stores or people that we're going to measure it with. And let's build the case, right? You have to start small. You have to take baby steps in this, in this area, especially in dealing with some of these new technologies. And because not just the, you know, we talk about machine learning. The machine, to your point, is not the only one that has to learn. It's the people that have to learn. They have to be in lockstep or it will never work. And so we took 
baby steps. We took small groups of pilot restaurants or small groups of individuals, and we made specific, you know, here's the use case. Here's the metric we're going to measure. Does it meet it? If it exceeds it, great. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's get people on board with it. Let's put together a plan on how we're going to roll it out that makes sense for our organization. Shoving technology down anyone's throat, never going to work. Uh, this has to be uh, a build, and from a momentum perspective, what we found is once we started taking these baby steps, there becomes a pull. You don't have to push it anymore. You know, these 10 stores looked at what those 10 stores were doing in the pilot and go, uh, I want those results. I, I, I want that, right? And so, and then the question, you know, they, they started throwing out emails going, when do I get that? And so it's that kind of groundswell of seeing the results. Again, going back to your initial question, this has to be a hard ROI, right? You have to show that something moved the needle, that these things moved a metric that's important. And whether that metric is, you know, top-line sales or traffic comp or, you know, even reducing waste and fraud inside the four walls by making better decisions, all those components, as you can imagine, impact people's salaries, right? Everyone's bonused on some of these metrics. And so as soon as you start impacting people and they're saying, Okay, I, I can see if I, if I do this, I can get better results and I can measure that in a hard ROI. It actually makes my compensation better. It makes my environment better. Uh, and so that pull that starts to occur is really the natural effect of this going forward. But you can't come out of the gates, you know, pushing, down, pushing this down anyone's throat. It has to be a build. It has to be small use cases where you're proving the value at every step of the way. So you did so much when you initially got started with it or your organization got started at some level. What was the conversation? Were they looking at the upfront dollars which will be spent in even building the foundation and counting pennies? And and was that something which made them only pick up initiatives which will directly bring dollars home or new customers or existing customers? Or was it, you know what? Let's think like a venture capitalist. Let's invest in a bunch of different pilots to see what works. Let's have a sandbox. Given that margins are thin, and if you're trying to grow, and, and you know every, every organization has those times when you're trying to revive yourself or, of course, take yourself to the next level, was the discussion about money first, experience as a means to an end, or let's only focus on experience and money will follow? Yeah, the way, the way we thought about it up front, and I kind of threw out the initial mantra is, um, you know, we have to start thinking of ourselves because we were, we were, you know, when I started, we were our 51st year in operation, right? So we've, we've been around since 1965. And so the, the mantra I threw on the wall was um, we need to start thinking about how we do things like being a 50-year-old startup. And, you know, so to your point, it's, it's not... It's not thinking about this is my budget and here's what I have to spend and, you know, I can only do so many initiatives. It's if I was a startup in a restaurant chain, what would I be thinking about? What would I be doing? And, and that gravitates naturally not to making, you know, just something that makes the first dollar. It, it gravitates to I need people. I need guests. That's, that's the foundation of anything from a, a, a B2C perspective, right? You need consumers. And so thinking about acquisition is, is critical. 
And again, it's not a matter of acquiring people that have never heard of Fridays, right? Everyone's heard of TGI Fridays. Uh, the, the, you know, the mantra we threw out was, you know, thinking like that, what's plus one? And we called about kind of the plus one initiative. So it's existing people, existing guests. How do I get them to come one more time, one more dollar, one more item in their basket? What's the plus one? And then new guests or new, new demographics. How do I get them to come that first time? Plus one. And so, but that's starting, even though it's a financial thing you can measure, right? You can measure a, a, a plus one dollar. You can measure a plus one visit. It starts with the consumer. It starts with that getting, what do I need to do from a customer journey perspective to create the right acquisition, to create the right pull, to create then the right experience that someone is going to give me plus one, plus one something. And we started there. And then again, we, we created more tactical use cases under that strategy that said, okay, with this set of consumers, I literally want to try to get plus $1. How I, what's, what's the experience that I have to give to get plus $1 or to get plus one visit? And then I can measure it, right? But that's the outcome. That's the outcome of these things. The, the going in premise is I need people. I need to have great customer experiences to get great customers that are going to come back again, over and over again, which then engenders loyalty, which then engenders a sustainable business model. Without that, all the money you'd spend in the world on technology and people and process doesn't mean a thing. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, What a fantastic conversation we've had so far. So let's take this and use it as a baseline to have discussion around the very execution, the way it happened for TGI Fridays, and has, Sharif, you can explain how you rallied the troops together with a company which is 65 years old and some old timers, some fresh blood, different generations, different technologies, I'm sure different locations and cultures. How was that brought together for it to start seeming like a, one brand, one experience? one place where we are all going like a swarm of ants. How did you maneuver alongside working with your leadership? Was this only done at the ivory tower or was it your people first and leaders followed the people? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. 
predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. So, uh, Sharif, when we look at all the different successes you've had and you shared a bit of your journey on, on how you got the technology put in there and then you discussed at the top what needs to be done. Now let's talk about execution a little bit. So if you pick, pulled out the, the chapters of your playbook, would you say the next step was discussion with people who would make it happen at all the way level to the operational staff? How did you go about getting the 65-year-old company to think like a startup? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it has to start again with the people. And you know, the approach we took is first, you got to make sure you have the right people on board, right? So, you know, we really looked around, and, and you know, I think when you when you want to really look at transforming an organization, uh, you have to look at you know the the experience of the people that you have on the bus. And you know, for us, you know, one of the key first steps was. We can't just have people that have lived and breathed in the restaurant industry their entire career, right? And so we went out and we got people from airlines and automotive and hotels and, and other retail and really, and even telecommunications, and, and really started to build a team um, that came from different disciplines, from different schools of thought, from, from different ways of thinking about transformations, not just on the digital side, but just organizationally. And that really helps when you infuse the organization with that kind of new blood and new thinking, in my opinion, is a great way to start the journey, right? You've got to have different people in the room having these conversations, not just at the senior level, but more importantly, actually, at the doer level. And, and, and that's where some of the best ideas come from. And we also then looked externally as well into, you know, you can't just always work with the, the big technology groups out there. You've got to work with some startups. You've got to work with maybe find, you know, the next two guys in a garage that have some really interesting ideas that no one else is thinking about that can infuse some of that new thinking into the organization. And so that's really where we started. And then, again, it was going out and talking, talking to guests, talking to our team members, our restaurant managers, and really trying to identify you know, not not just what, what the, the guest journey looks like or the customer journey, but really what are those pain points that that our folks internally were feeling when we started this journey? You know, what what were they what were they running into saying, man, if 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 you could fix this or if you could re, if we could relook at how we do X, um, I think I could do a better job of serving my guests. Um, and so really kind of collecting that information, it was kind of a lot of fact finding in those first several months, as well as I would say level setting the playing field. So, you know, to your point earlier, we, you know, we have 900 locations. There's a lot of different things going on out there. We need to really understand, you know, what was happening, who was doing what, not just from an organizational and process, but obviously technology as well. 
So we spent a lot of time really just cleaning up, you know, what is the data that we have out there? How are we going to collect it? How are we going to stitch it together? You know, no AI or machine learning tool is going to work without having good data, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And so we spent a lot of time really just making sure that the foundation of what we wanted to do from a technology and from a people and a process perspective were really rock solid uh, before we even started playing around with, you know, kind of what's next and new things. When you did so much, and I'm sure the work is not done yet, right? I mean, because this could be a continuous improvement type of a process. How would you make this sustainable? Because it should transcend leadership. It should transcend change of guard. It should weather the the downturns and economic or other sociopolitical issues which always shake restaurant industry or any hospitality type of an organization. Where is the resilience going to come from? Yeah, I think for two things that I, I'm pretty you know, happy with what we've done. Um, one is when we first started, and we had to do this because we had, to, we had to create enough critical mass, is we actually created a separate team, right? We kind of had the, well, for no better term, the digital team, right, that was kind of leading this transformation for us. And it was, again, this group of folks from internal that we had had and external, and they were kind of the, the core group that kind of spread the gospel, right? They kind of went everywhere, talked to everyone, led the big initiatives. Um, what I'm most happy about for that team is that it no longer exists. Um, and, and we disbanded it because all the individuals from that team still work at Fridays, but they work in various functions, it's embedded now. There's, some of that team is in marketing. Some of that team is in operations. Some of that team, you know, is in sourcing, in supply chain. That, that team is now where they need to be, which is embedded in how those functions think about what they need to do. It's embedded in how they think about when they're 2019 planning, you know, what are the key initiatives? It's not, well, the digital team is telling me we need to do this. It's, no, I'm marketing, and this is what we're going to do, and I have the right people on my team to do that. And so that, to me, really helps solidify, you know, to your question or, or perpetuate that this transformation, this innovation mindset will continue by embedding it into the core groups of our organization. And then secondly, I, you know, I think the way we think now about and the process we have where we engage with external partners is also a key part of this. You know, we, we have basically a mindset now and, and, uh, and really a way of doing business where we're always looking for new people. We hold a quarterly uh, Shark Tank where we invite five to six, you know, startups to come and talk to us. And it's basically, you know, locked into stone that we're always going to do this, not only every quarter, but we're always going to pick somebody and do something with them. Try a pilot. May not go anywhere, but we're going to try something so that every quarter we're at least trying one thing new. Always trying to think about innovation. Always trying to think about what's next. And then at every end of year, when we do the planning for the following year, I bring in all our key vendors and I basically have them take off their vendor hat and they become Friday's employees for the year, for the day. 
And those folks have to think together collectively what are going to be the key efforts, the key things that we need to do as a Friday's brand to continue to innovate, to continue to differentiate and stay in front of our competition. And that is now embedded in kind of how we operate. And, you know, to me, uh, is one of those key things that will continue to allow us to be innovative moving forward. So when you started this, you, your, your metric was plus one. And that's a lovely metric, right? And, and which allows yes. people to not feel that as if it's a Herculean task they have to achieve and they lose steam going in. Yes. When you yep. started it, great way to mo- keep them motivated. But now that you are making quantum leaps compared to what you may have otherwise envisioned, what's your metric now? Are you thinking plus four, plus 10? <laughs> no, that's the beauty of plus one. Um, no matter what level they're at, um, I just want to get one more, right? If, uh, if, if someone's, you know, because everyone, obviously every consumer is different, again, to my point of we want to personalize John versus Mary. And, you know, at the end of the day, no matter if John's at, you know, 10 visits a year and Mary's at four, I don't need to have Mary at 10. Uh, I just need to have Mary at five. And, you know, if I can continue to drive that across all my guests, to continue to drive, always thinking, considering Fridays for one more visit, for one more order, um, we win. We win. This is a highly competitive sector we sit in casual dining. And it's not, you know, we're not, no, no my competitive set and, and, our, and us are not building hundreds of restaurants, right? It's, it's pretty oversaturated. So this is a share-stealing game. Right. If they're coming to me plus one time, they're going to a Chili's or an Applebee's or a Buffalo Wild Wings one time less. And to me, that's that's how we win. That's how we continue to stay in front and continue to steal share in our sector. Let's take a quick break uh, again, listeners. When we come back, let's look at the risks that may be there when you are trying to introduce this plus one concept in your organization and you use that to improve the customer experience, which will, of course, give you the ROI that you're looking for. So in this fast-paced world, we have a number of risks we have to keep in mind, which is like putting brakes on a Ferrari. You want the Ferrari to run as fast as possible, but you want the brake just in case there is a risk of toppling. Because there is a pace at which a company can grow and or move forward without making it either as a law of diminishing returns or somewhere creates huge amount of risks. So let's talk about it, staying grounded, staying real. What does it take to create that plus one customer experience forever and ever, but not losing the, the focus on keeping yourself sustainable. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. 
Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again, uh, listeners. So we spoke about what good things you can do to improve the ROI and get everyone all uh, gung-ho about this plus one idea. So, Sharif, when you look at the risk side of equation, which is also an important area to consider, what is the math looking like? Is it too trivial for you to care for, or is it becoming big because in digital world, security is a big issue, and risk is a big issue, and privacy is a big issue? What does your math look like as you're going in this plus one race? Yeah, no, great question. I, you know, I think, um, you know, as business people, we, we always have to minimize and manage the, the, the risk of anything that we do. And the risk for us, obviously, you know, is twofold. One, as you mentioned, is clearly, um, you know, as we, as we utilize more and more data, as we utilize more and more of these personalization and technology tools, you know, obviously, you know, protecting our guest data and the risk of anything happening with that data is always in the forefront of our mind and obviously a key pillar of everything that we do uh, to ensure its security. And so that risk is, is, you know, I'd say it's always there, right? It's something you always have to, to be wary of and to manage and to be diligent. I think the, the other risk, you know, obviously from a business perspective is, you know, you know, and we almost talked about this a little bit earlier, which is, you know, what is the risk of potentially going too far, right? What is the risk of utilizing, you know, too much technology, right? And, you know, people don't like to, to, to think about that. But from a business perspective where at the end of the day, you know, people do spend, our guests, every guest, consumers spend a lot of time on their devices, right? We, we live in a technology technologically enabled world. And so there's this race to utilizing technology as quickly as possible as, as pro, you know, to be as prevalent as possible. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, we're, we're, you know, us and other retailers and other restaurant chains, we, we still have people. And so being able to really manage the, the ability of not taking away that human element, 
that then would impact the guest experience, right, where technology became too much, where it detracted versus enabled that human-to-human connection that we still need to have in our restaurants. Uh, that's the line that we have to continue to really manage and de-risk uh, so that, you know, we're always thinking about technology to, to support and not to hinder because it can really, you know, think about, again, back to that initial piece, which is do no harm, right? From a guest experience perspective, it has to be perfect. And if technology can help that, great, up to a point. Um, but if it crosses that line and you find that it's impacting the guest experience, then it's really wasted investment and all for naught. And that's what we have to continue to manage from a risk perspective is that we don't always try to, you know, race for the, you know, coolest, newest, shiny new toy, um, that we're always kind of going back and asking that first question, is it right for the guest? If it doesn't pass question one, you know, I don't care how cool it is. I don't care how new it is or how advanced it is. It's not going inside our restaurants. What did you have to unlearn for the right reasons so you could, in a successful way, move forward towards this plus one mantra and make it a reality? Yeah, I think for us it was we had to unlearn or maybe relearn uh, you know, how we think about what guests want. Um, you know, the, the unlearning part is everyone has a certain, especially growing up in the restaurant or retail industry, everyone has a certain, um, thought process. Everyone has a certain, you know, let's say gut feel on what they think the guest wants. Well, here's what I think my guest wants. I think the first thing you have to, to unlearn or to, to, to get out in every meeting is I don't really care what anyone around the table thinks. Uh, and I've told my team that, right? You know, someone will say, I think this, and someone else says, I think that. And I, with all due respect, I don't care. I don't care what you guys think. Uh, I care only what our guests think. Let's find out what they think. Let's find out what they want. And then let's do that. Uh, because, the, you know, the first kind of sin of any of this is thinking you know more than the guest. Uh, you, think, you, know, you think you know more than the consumer. And so you almost have to unlearn what you think you know, because our guests and the consumers in general are changing so quickly what they want, what they need, what they're attracted to, what creates a great loyal guest is different next week than it was a week ago. And so it's really unlearning what you thought you knew and really putting your trust and faith in guests and what they want and understanding and learning from them that needs to drive every decision you make. If you were to do this all over again, or in addition, would have a certain leadership style you will propose to the other listeners who may be in a situation where they're trying to find their own formula of plus one and to deliver that delightful customer experience, what would be some of that advice you'd like to give given your journey and what you've learned in the process as a leader? Yeah, I think uh, three things. Um, you know, one again is surround yourself with different points of view and, and smarter people than yourself. <laughs> you know, there, there's so much going on right now, both internal and external. Uh, you know, don't, don't be the smartest person in the room. Don't think you're the expert. Uh, allow yourself 
to listen and get very different viewpoints, backgrounds, experiences, and data, and let that let that guide your course. Uh, number two, um, uh, start small again. Don't don't think you have to go out of the gate with something you know that that's going to transform the organization. Uh, these these things are built but brick at a time. These things are built small and then go to to something that you never thought could exist, right? They they get bigger on their own uh, and and allow the journey to build over time. Don't feel you have to get there overnight. And, and the third thing I would say is um, is always ask the three questions. And for us, the three questions are, and they go in order, is it right for the consumer? Uh, can we execute it? And then third, can we make money at it? Uh, you know, if something passes those three gates, then you, you, you probably have a winning initiative or effort on your hands. But it has to pass those three gates and in that order. Because uh, if it doesn't pass question one, question two and three are meaningless. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Sharif, for sharing your valuable insights on how organizations can fundamentally rethink and unlearn about what they had been doing about customer experience and align their people, their organizations, their policies, their processes, and their budgets to make sure that they create that delight for their customers, which results in some hard ROI. Thanks so much again, Sharif. Thank you for having me. Thanks once again, and listeners, hope you enjoyed. I liked a whole lot, learned a lot of things here. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, CIO Talk Network, and also please follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CIO Talk Network. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.